Dynasties are not particularly rare in high school sports. Even though rosters are always changing as classes graduate and others come in, if there's a consistent and well-supported coaching staff that can teach the game and effectively motivate players, it just takes a couple of winning seasons for a culture of success to take root. However, there are dynasties, and then there's what the Elk Grove High School baseball program produced from 2002 to 2017. In a 16-year span, the Thundering Herd appeared in 10 Sac Joaquin Section Division I Finals. They won eight of them, and eight players from that era became Major League Baseball players. The 2013 team alone had five future big leaguers on its roster. What Coach Jeff Carlson accomplished at Elk Grove seems unlikely to be matched in Northern California anytime soon, certainly not by a public school. What did it take to fuel such an incredible run of success? What was it like playing for a program with such a mind-bending pool of talent? And what was it like viewing it from the other dugout? We rounded up Carlson, his younger son Tanner, who now plays at Long Beach State, former Davis High coach Dan Ariola, journalist and former radio personality Mark Kreidler, whose son Ryan played at Davis and is now in the Detroit Tigers organization, and finally longtime Sacramento Bee high school sports editor Joe Davidson. Grab some peanuts or sunflower seeds, kick back, and listen for memories and anecdotes of a true baseball juggernaut. This is Sports Stories. David Hernandez was the first. The 2003 Elk Grove High graduate broke into the major leagues with the Baltimore Orioles in 2009, six years after helping the Thundering Herd win the first of eight titles over 16 seasons. The right-handed pitcher enjoyed a 10-year big league career, and when he retired in 2020, seven more members of the Thundering Herd had joined his elite company. Utility infielder David Freitas debuted with the Atlanta Braves in 2017. Outfielder J.D. Davis became a Houston Astro that same year. First baseman and designated hitter Rowdy Telez was called up by the Toronto Blue Jays in 2018, and Dom Nunez made his Colorado Rockies debut in 2019. Then finally, the weird 60-game COVID-shortened season of 2020 featured the White Sox debut of Nick Madrigal, the Cardinals' call-up of Dylan Carlson, and Derek Hill's first appearance with the Tigers. Finally, baseball observers outside of Northern California started to connect the dots and wonder what was in the Elk Grove water. Long-respected Sacramento Bee High School reporter Joe Davidson had noticed the trend for a while, and he leads us off. So I've been on Sacramento Bee since 1989, uh, pre-internet, so a little simpler times. And if you think about high school sports in 1989 in the Sac section, we had some 25 or 30 fewer schools around than we do now. Uh, and then we saw a lot of growth. Uh, did it get thinned out? No, it seemed to add to the intensity of the competition. And then you look at baseball and what Elk Grove High School did with Jeff Carlson, it's one of the great dynasties that uh, I certainly have covered, if not the greatest. And it takes a, a, a crafty, shrewd, uh, you know, fearless coach like a Jeff Carlson to seize it when you're taking on teams like uh, Davis, Jesuit, Pleasant Grove, Wood Creek, Granite Bay, Franklin, uh, St. Mary's of Stockton, you know, so many heavies. And here's Carlson and his guys, and they, they won so many of those Section Division I North championships and the, and the overall section championships. And the whole anchor of their program was this rise of terrific players um, throughout the whole decade of the 2000s and, and, and even before that. 
uh, and then just rode a, an amazing wave of success with a number of you know, guys who became major league guys. And when I would go out to a practice or to a game, and I went to a ton because that was such an interesting storyline uh, for Elk Grove baseball. And I always thought, you know, these are, these kids have good parenting and they have good coaching. They're polite. Um, they're respectful to, among each other. They, they, they hold each other accountable. They push hard. Um, the work ethic is clear. The after practice work ethic was clear. And, and then it just took care of itself. Um, so it's, uh, it's one of the more remarkable things I've seen in all my years doing this, if not the most remarkable sports dynasty. And that's talking Grant football over the years and Oak Grove football over the years and, you know, Sheldon softball over the years or Sheldon basketball. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. After having assisted on the Thundering Herd staff for a few years while also coaching JV football, Jeff Carlson was offered the head baseball job and a PE teaching position in 2000. His team reached its first section final in 2002 before winning in 2003 to begin a string of four titles in five years. At that point, the snowball was free falling downhill and Carlson's plan became simple. Just don't mess this up. I mean, it was a lot of pressure just, you know, to not get in the way. Um, and that's kind of, you know, I learned from that early on over there is, is, uh, you know, kind of let these guys play a little bit, let, let them develop, um, become players, um, you know, uh, develop the baseball IQ. Don't micromanage every single thing on the field. Um, so there's definitely times I'm sure I micromanage, but there's a lot of times where I just step back and that team, especially, you know, you just kind of step back and let them play and, and, okay. you, and you truly do just manage, um, you know, just make sure you try to put them in the right spot to be successful. Um, you know, we had some great guys around them that don't get a lot of credit. Um, but it was just the culture that those guys, you know, set and provided, um, for the whole program. Um, mm -hmm. and it started way before that, but they just, you know, the guys above them, uh, that were before them were great role models and they kind of kept it going And that team with the talent they had and the buy-in and, and just the culture they set and just you know, the refuse to lose type attitude um, and them trying to just get better every day and try to, you know, move on beyond high school um, just inspired everybody and, and brought the best out of everybody around them. Mark Kreidler was the national baseball writer at the Sacramento Bee for several years and had multiple sons grow up playing baseball in the Sacramento area and then eventually for Davis High School. Kreidler's younger son, Ryan, is now in the Detroit Tigers minor league system after being drafted out of UCLA in 2019. Watching the youth and high school baseball scene in the region for several years, it was hard not to take notice of what was happening in Elk Grove. His respect for Jeff Carlson is evident. He said this more than once, but I think when he first started, you know, one of his goals was, man, I'd like to see some Elk Grove guys play college ball um, and maybe even have an Elk Grove kid, you know, wind up in Omaha, you know, like playing the College World Series, which is, I mean, that's very ambitious. Don't get me wrong. But you look at it now and you think, man, you set the bar way low. But he had that idea of, of creating um, an atmosphere of constant competition, um, not just within their league, whichever league they happened to, or whatever you called the league, because the league's name would change every once in a while, but also within his team. You know, one great thing about having players attracted to your program is you tend to get good younger players who start pushing those upperclassmen and that's an ideal situation, as long as you can control it, which Jeff always was able to do. An awful lot of programs 
tighten down their definition of what they're trying to do to, you know, I'm trying to win high school baseball games. And so that can lead to, you know, small ball uh, approach. It can lead to a pitcher maybe being underdeveloped because a coach only wants to use them in really specific situations. Sometimes it leads to guys getting uh, pigeonholed in positions because that's how the team could win. And it, it's hard to do both. It's hard to, um, it's hard to want to win and, and win at the high school level and serve this other need. And so I think what Jeff did um, really well is I think he just turned that equation around and said, let me serve the kids um, interests. You know, let, I'll set the bar. Don't, don't worry about that. We'll set the bar high. But in the meantime, you know, let me start by asking kids, you know, what is it that you want? And let me help you get there. I don't blame any high school coach who says, if I don't win some games, I'm, you know, I, someone's going to start writing mean things about me. Um, but doing both is really hard. And, the, and, you know, you can see looking around Sacramento, there are a number of coaches who do this very well. It's a, it's a real delicate balance. And uh, obviously, I mean, my son played for one. Dan Ariola does that extremely well, did it well almost throughout his entire career. And Jeff did it, I think, right from the start. Tanner Carlson, Jeff's youngest son, bore witness to all of it. And he's currently still part of the legacy as a sophomore infielder at Long Beach State. I mean, it was literally by the time I could walk. That's all I remember was that field and just being around the program and being around everyone. And there's guys who like played for my dad when I was tiny, like three, four. And I'll meet them nowadays and they'll be like, oh, I remember you. And I'm like, man, I was I have no clue who you are because I was three years old and I was out there and all these guys know me. And so, I mean, ever since the time I could walk, I was around that field and around that program. And I really, really was blessed. When you're younger, like even for me, I knew like guys like growing up and I still, when I was a freshman, Nick Madrigal was a shortstop and obviously Derek Hill was on the team. And even I, like knowing them, I still looked up to them and they were like, it was almost like the way we look up to MLB players now, how it's just like these guys who are on a different level and just do things the right way. But that's what that's what almost made the program just keep working so well on its own is that there was this respect and like kind of admiration out of all the younger guys as the older guys. And they saw how they worked, They saw how they did things. And it kind of just like passed down through the levels. And as you moved up, you knew that it was your turn. And if you did everything right, you might be one of those guys someday. So that's kind of what made the program just kind of work on its own and be so successful. One key to success that every one of our storytellers brought up in one form or another was the mentoring that happened between Thundering Herd players. Jeff Carlson speaks about his importance first, with Kreidler sharing his thoughts afterward. And that's kind of how our program had all that success throughout that time period because of the big brothers. Like, you know, it was like Jake Rodriguez was a big brother for Dom Nunez. Um, you know, and it just kind of cycled, um, you know, Don was a big brother for Nick and, you know, Dylan, JD was a big brother for Dylan. It was kind of, they had these great, you know, guys in front of them that really set a good example and, uh, you know, all great families, all, and, and we had a lot of that, not just the guys that made it, but, you know, a lot of those guys, they were, they were real instrumental and, and all the stuff we do and they're mentoring, working camps for the youth and, and all that. It's just, it, it, it was really nice to see him. I really didn't have to encourage it. That, that was the most uh, awesome thing to be, be involved with. Um, I think obviously a lot to do with their upbringing, uh, their parents and their, their families. 
Um, and just having that kind of the family kind of background and, and sense of being a family. And that's kind of how we had our program. It was like we're one big family and our community it went beyond just the high school. And uh, no, I mean, it was, it was, I would get texts from random people that I knew and was like, coach, the, the, I had the coolest moment today. Uh, my son, we went over to hit over uh, at the Elk Grove Park right by your field. We were over there and we saw Rowdy over there hitting in the cage. He yelled out at my son to come on over and, and hit with him. Um, he didn't, you know, they didn't ask to hit with him. Rowdy just on his own uh, would do that. And I get a text about that or, or some, you know, something about Dylan or, or you know, Nick, uh, you know, I can go on and on, even guys that we're not talking about, um, you know, getting those types of texts makes you feel good as a coach. Uh, really good that what super kids that are, are doing this and being around and they're not even asked to do it. Um, they just do it because they love the game and they want to share, you know, um, and, and it's really cool to see. And, and now they're getting payback from veterans. I know Dylan, I talk to Dylan all the time and, you know, guys like Goldsmith and Ornato, uh, you know, Matt Carpenter, are just great influences and they kind of do the same to him. Within a high school program, about the best you could ever do is get to a situation where your older players are confident and happy to share. I mean, let's face it, to even get anywhere near the majors, you're an elite player. Um, you know, maybe it's easier for them to share because they already feel very confident or, or they wouldn't have made it as far as they do. But I think to put that kind of a culture into a high school program, coaches try, you know, to do that all the time, but it's kind of a combination of the coach having the right approach and maybe having uh, the right kids or at the very least having the right kids in the leadership positions. And that's trickier because you don't always, you know, sometimes a great athlete is an introvert or, you know, I mean, does all of his articulating on the field, <laughs> doesn't have a lot to say. Um, and there, there's room for those guys too. But to really make it work year over year the way Elk Grove was able to do, I mean, the, you do have to have, you know, guys with the right personality for the job, you know, so that, so that it comes, that, that it's not forced, you know, that it comes naturally from guys. To Kreidler's latter point, Mentorship buy-in is only as good as the character makeup of those doing the mentoring. As Davidson says, Carlson probably couldn't have had better personalities for it if he tried. That mental wherewithal match with their desire and the, just their instincts of the game and just their pride just all, all comes together. Um, they, they all have a same DNA. You know, they all cared deeply about their, their sport as, as kids growing up and especially intensified in high school. They wanted to please their coach, Jeff Carlson, who they thought the world of. Um, they wanted to stay a step ahead of all their competitors on their own roster because the, the you know, hey, you don't do your job, you're going to lose your, your your gig. You know, somebody's going to on the bench, I'll take your job. And then they all stepped up big in in high school playoffs, and um, they've been rewarded handsomely. Um, but they've been given nothing. They've they've been given an opportunity, and they've each seized it. In all of these guys, I saw maturity beyond their years, maturity beyond their years and and their mental approach and how respectful they were to the game, to their opponents, to each other, to the media, to people in general. 
um, and how they played the game. It's just a physical maturity too. These some of these you know, Rowdy Telez and JD Davis were men in high school, and and Dylan Carlson when he was a senior, uh, belting home runs and then uh, and pitching the final two innings as a closer. So that's a man out there, a 16 year old man out there who becomes a 17 year old first round pick, and uh, so it's really kind of cool. And then you look at a guy like. Nick Madrigal, he doesn't impose you at all. He's not the biggest guy, but you can't strike him out. You can't keep him off the bases, and he's going to make amazing plays in the infield. Uh, and there's a guy everybody concludes after one day. It's like, that's that's my guy. That's the guy I want on my team. And uh, so it's, uh, When you see Madrigal play, you knew he was somebody. And when you saw any of those Oak Grove graduates in high school, you thought, uh, wow, you know, we saw him a couple, few games. You thought, that guy's going somewhere. And for a lot of them, they did. Before we continue with the rest of this episode, here's a few words from our podcast partner, the California Army National Guard. In the Army National Guard, my part-time service lets me serve close to home, keep a full-time job, and earn money for school. I really can have it all in the Army National Guard. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Dan Ariola, who enjoyed a long career coaching Davis High and squared off with Carlson's teams in several big games, didn't take long to point out that the Thundering Herd were way more than just their superstars. I style Grove more of a team as individuals. I mean, one through nine, guys off the bench, their coaches, everybody bought in, and they were tough. And yeah, you knew they had some, some studs at the top of the order, middle of the order, but the guys at the bottom of the order could beat you just as much as the guys at the top of the order. Like I said, they were tough one through nine. And if you went over there or played them here, wherever you played them, it was going to be a tough battle. And you had, you had no, you couldn't take any inning off, any batter off. I mean, I can't remember everything specifically, but they're going to hurt you anywhere in the lineup. And they'd have some young guys come up. There'd be a freshman hitting nine and he'd beat you. Wow. I got that guy for four years, but yeah, you know, JD Davis, Telez, they had some superstars and we knew that, but like I said, I always looked at them as a team. When you went and played them, it just didn't seem like anyone was getting treated any different. They all were getting treated the same. They all were playing hard. They all were focused. You know, they got along on the field. They competed. And it wasn't like just a couple of superstars. It was year in and year out. And, you know, maybe you'll ask me this later, but I think it's, you know, amazing how many players that, that have made it. But the championships that they won, those are hard to win. doesn't matter how much talent you have. I mean, they won, I don't know all the numbers, but 2003, I know they won three. We won fourth and they won five, they won six. And then I know when when we won in 2014, they'd won in 13, they won in 15, they won 16. I mean, every year they're in it. And, uh, you know, to win all those championships, that's so difficult because anytime you win one, you could take one or two plays during the postseason run and they're going to be beat. Anyone's going to be beat with one or two plays to, to survive and win all those sections uh, was very impressive uh, for Elk Grove to do that. Yeah, no, we knew they were good. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen beyond high school, but we knew they were a good program. We respected them, but we knew we could play. If we played well, you make pitches, you have to, you have to hit your spots, you have to keep them off balance. They're going to kill you if you throw fastballs you know, it doesn't matter how hard you're throwing, they were going to hammer the fastballs. So you had to be able to locate, hit some spots, mix it up, and do all those things to be competitive. And, 
yeah, no, we had a lot of, lot of great games with them. As complete as many of those Elk Grove teams were, it was hard not to notice the big league talent when the big league talent wanted to flex. Here's some of Tanner Carlson's early memories. When I was at the end of elementary school and in the middle school, I used to come out after school and join practice. So I was little guy out there and stuff. And I remember there's a few memories I got. The first one is just Rowdy Telez hitting BP. Like that by itself is was just, I knew, you knew right away. Like everyone, like he hit the ball different. It came off his bat different. And then another one I remember was I was at shortstop during BP and Derek Hill hits a line drive, like screamer at me and I catch it. And my hand must have been like just aching for like 30 minutes after. And I was like, yeah, like that guy's probably pretty legit too. And there was just so many times when like I'd be out taking ground balls with like Nick Magical or even just hitting with my brother where I'm like, wow, like these guys are like, like not a lot of people can do what these guys do. And that's when you kind of realize like when you start to see like them, just the way they work and some of the things that they're able to do on a field, that's when you realize that they're special and they're going to go some places. Having big big talent is one thing, but it has to come with a work ethic and drive as well. We got countless stories about that. Here are Kreidler and Tanner Carlson both sharing stories about workouts with Nick Madrigal. That's followed by Jeff Carlson, who sets up another Kreidler memory about seeing Roddy Telez and Dom Nunez putting in cage work on a random Sunday. When uh, Ryan was a little bit older, still not in high school, but tra a travel team kid, um, we were very good friends and Ryan was teammates with um, uh, one of the Elk Grove uh, players on his travel team, I should say, um, Landon Gastelum and his family, Peyton Gastelum, you know, I mean, just an incredible family. Their dad, Dan, is just an all-time great. And we would go over occasionally with uh, Ryan and Landon just so they could get some work on infield uh, and grounders and stuff like that. And Nick was with us one, one day, uh, Madrigal and Nick's dad too. And it was just, it was one of the best workouts I think we've ever had. And partly because it was just, the pace was so intense and the work was so, they were having fun, but the work was very serious. They were really, Nick was completely intent on, you know, taking a hundred ground balls that day. And he wasn't gonna leave the field until he got his hundred ground balls. And it was a great, um, it was just kind of a template for how you, how, how hard you have to work to, let's face it, to even advance one level in baseball, even if it's just from JV to varsity, you know, for most kids, you know, separate from maybe the insanely talented freak athlete, most of those kids have to work awfully hard just to get to varsity with a chance to have playing time. And it's, it's something that I think Jeff um, was able to explain to kids in language they can understand. I think that was a big part of what Jeff did so well in developing players was uh, beyond listening to what they wanted. He also would tell them what he think, thought they would have to do. And there wasn't really, you know, as I'm sure you know, from the other people you talk to, it wasn't always a negotiation, you know, with, with uh, Carly, it was more of a, look, here's, here's what I think works. Um, but anything short of this will probably fail. You got to put in this much work. I'm sure you've heard stories, but him, his dad, they would go and just take ground balls day after day for hours on end. And they would always offer, they would always help me. Like they'd always let me come out there and I used to take ground balls with them. And it's just, it was a great experience for me. Really showed me like the right way to work, just the right way, just how to do things. And it made me a better infielder every single day I was out there next to him. And there were tons of guys like that who like 
even smaller name guys like Carlos Mosley and other guys that just showed me how to play infield the right way and it's really just affecting me. There's always a sense in the program just built in from my dad that like it's always about like bigger than baseball. So we're not only focused on the wins and losses, but just becoming like better people every day and stuff. And I think one of the biggest reasons that guys love to come back is just the great memories that you have when you're there. Like still some of my best friendships to this day are guys I met, played baseball with there and just had just great memories every day being out on the field. And that's the stuff that you remember in the end of it, not really the wins and losses. And I think that's what really brings people back and just people want to help because they know how great of a time they had there and they want the kids there now to experience the same thing. I think it's a byproduct of having all the great guys around them too. So like that team you were talking about with my brother and Nick and Derek, like none of them could really be too big because they had guys next to them who were doing the same things and were reaching the same levels. So it's almost like there was never like one star and nobody got too big, which now like just leads into it and just they have great attitudes and that's kind of the reason why they've gotten as far as they did because their just attitudes have been so good and they always they never look at themselves as like they're way above way better than everyone else they keep working and that's probably the main reason why they're there are where they are today mm-hmm. and it's also just a great reason why the program has been so successful because of all the guys who have just the right attitude if my brother if we're sitting in the house and my brother's like yeah i need to go hit like i'm not just gonna sit there and not hit like of course i'm gonna go hit with him because he's doing it and i'm trying to compete i'm trying to beat him and everything and that was just kind of the sense that everybody had. So there was never anyone who's like, no, nah, like, I don't need to do that today. Because if the best player on the team's going and doing it, how come you aren't doing it? That was almost the sense that we got. There, yes, there was definitely moments uh, when you got like a, a kid like Randy Telez, who's a big power hitter, who's, I mean, I think he almost hit that fast food restaurant uh, across the softball field at Sac City during one playoff game. And I think Dom had a big home run in that same game. Um, you know, you, you see those types of moments and those are easy, like, whoa, you know, I've never seen a kid hit a ball that far, especially here uh, at Sac City. Um, those are easy, but I mean, there was quite a few moments uh, with a lot of those guys uh, throughout their careers at Elk Grove. Um, but the biggest thing was you just know they had it. I mean, you know, they had the right mental attitude um, to move beyond high school and move beyond you know, division one baseball that they were going to be in the MLB uh, at one point, just because of their work ethic, uh, their baseball IQ, um, and just the way they competed, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was huge. Um, you know, Nick Madrigal, just the way he competes right now, he does not want to swing and miss at a baseball. I mean, that's the way he was in high school. He did not want to swing and miss a baseball, um, you know, and you were not going to get him out. You know, and is this, they were all so competitive uh, with each other against obviously opponents. Um, and that's what made our practices great and made everybody better around them because every day those guys came out and competed and they wanted to be better. They wanted to prove themselves that they were better than that guy across from them. And, the, and they're playing against uh, with a great player across from them. Um, and that's what just kind of inspired them. And you knew at that point, uh, you know, they could handle all the things that come along with the failure of baseball. And they came out the next day and had the right attitude and made the right adjustments and, and put in the work uh, in the off season beyond practice on the weekends that they were going to have a good shot to make it if they stayed injury free. You know, I have a vivid uh, couple of memories when Ryan's older brother, Pat, who played for Coach Ariola, um, 
in the early part of the two, uh, 2010s. He graduated in 2012, but when he was younger, a, couple, a few years before that, we were over in Elk Grove some Sunday hitting in some, some warehouse somewhere. I, I don't, I can't remember. It was someplace with a net in a cage. And um, he was hitting, I think, with his travel team. But a couple nets over, a couple cages over, two guys were just uh, teeing up balls and one guy would tee for the other guy and they were just pounding balls into the back of the net. Um, no one was coaching them. They were just teeing up for each other. Um, then they soft tossed to each other. They were there before, before we got there, they were there. They were there throughout the entire practice and they were still there when we left. And it was, you know, it was Rowdy Telez and Dom Nunez. And they weren't anybody at the time. Um, they were already into their high school careers, but they, they knew their, and this is some random Sunday morning, right? This is just sort of pick any Sunday on the calendar. And that's what these guys were doing. They hadn't been told to go there. No one had said show up at XYZ time. They, I think very clearly from Carly though, they had a real sense of what the work ethic was gonna have to be in order for them to get where they wanted to go. And that's, uh, it's, it's a small illustration of what guys have to do in baseball to get better. And there was very little conversation in that cage, I'll tell you, not like they were swapping stories. They were just working on their swings. Finally, we asked Kreiler and Davidson about the memories of watching Elk Grove games and seeing these players flash that talent. But they all had major league moments, and some of them were, were outlandish. Uh, Rowdy Telez, I remember two uh, major league moments. One of them was in the rain, soft uh, rain at Rayleigh Field when sometimes the high school kids would play out there. And he hit a bomb that landed, landed on the berm over the right field fence. That is a long shot in, in kind of cold, heavy air. Coach Carlson said he'd never seen a kid hit a, a ball that far. And another one was they were playing at Laguna Creek, um, high school and he had a, a bomb that went over a roof and quote slammed up against the doghouse just that word slammed up against the doghouse tells you that uh, that was a bomb I don't know who said it, it slammed up against the doghouse I remember reporting it. I must have heard it from somebody I don't recall going over there and asking the neighbors but that is a bomb uh, where you could just see uh, that kid had some power and he was inspired by his mother um, who has since passed on with cancer. And he's inspired by that still to this day. JD Davis had that kind of power in high school. He was also a power pitcher and a good sized kid. And he, uh, I remember he, his major league movement in my mind that I saw, and I've talked to coach Carlson about this and we always laugh is it was a home game. Um, and it was two outs, uh, bases loaded. So everybody goes and he hits a towering fly ball it goes straight up in the air and it it felt like it reached orbit and by the time somebody caught it he was rounding third base that's a guy chugging that's how far that ball was up there so it was caught it was out and I'm thinking that kid gave it a, a what a flight for you know if he kind of leveled it out they might have hit it over the gym it might have been bouncing down Elk Grove Boulevard I mean it's I'm almost cheating to give you this answer because I, I think other people would give the same answer but you know, I saw Rowdy hit a couple of baseballs that high school kids just don't hit. And so you just, you just knew, you know, when you send one that's so far out that it lands on a nearby field or in, you know, in a game at Davis High School, um, and those teams loved those were fierce, fierce games. Rowdy hit a ball, and this is because of the configuration of Davis High School, that landed on what was then the soccer field. I mean, it was just, it was so far out of the 
the park that you realize just watching him, it wasn't just that he was physically big. It was that he did things on the field, especially as a, as a hitter, that made it very easy to imagine, hey, he's going to play a long time. That guy's going to play a lot of baseball. You know, we all knew Dom was a very talented catcher, um, but he, it, it was just far easier to look at someone like Rowdy um, or to watch Derek Hill chase down a ball in the gap to it's a couple of years later. But um, it was very easy then to look at those guys and understand that they were a cut above other players because it was just so self-evident. I mean, I think if, if there's a player, I, w- I don't want to say he surprised me at all because we watched him. We knew him from the time he was a little kid, Nick Madrigal. But because he's physically unimposing, is he was a lot easier to say, just not to doubt, but to sort of say, well, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, he's a good little player. You, if I had a buck for every time I heard someone say, oh, yeah, Madrigal's a good little player, you know, I could retire because the, the reality is he's an elite player and is an all time. I mean, he has a plate discipline and he even had it in high school that other guys don't have. You know, that, that sort of refusal to swing at a bad pitch, they never chase out of the zone, real compact swing so he could wait to decide on a pitch as it approached. And, and you can see even in the major leagues playing at the highest level, his contact rate is insane. He, he makes contact in, 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 a t- in the top category of all players in major league baseball, in major league baseball. So that's one of the times where you can actually say, you know, as a sports writer, but also as a dad who was sitting in the stands for some of those games, I saw him do that in high school and, you know, high school is a kind of, is tricky because whether you're on a good team or a bad team, if you're a good athlete, you can create the illusion that you're going to be a great player simply because kids miss, miss with pitches all the time, or, you know, a ball hangs up in the air long enough for you to track it down in the outfield in the way that doesn't happen as you move up in the levels. And so I think, I think that if there's a, a big takeaway from this, entire, you know, uh, series of occurrences with the Elk Grove players, to me, one part of it is you have to sit back on some level and just appreciate how unbelievably rare it is that that many guys made it all the way through. Now, for a guy to leave Elk Grove and go to a college program or a really good uh, community college program, not surprising at all, right? That should happen. They're a winning program. They're coached the right way, all that stuff. But for that many guys to not only get into pro ball, but advance through all of the ranks of the minor leagues. And in a couple of cases, they got rushed up. You know, they, they didn't just grind it out. I mean, you know, a couple of these guys are up, what, two years after they turned pro. It's insane. So that yeah. to me is, that's how you know you're watching something really rare. Because you can always look at a player, like I did, look at Rowdy and say, man, I could sure see him playing at a higher level. But when you get this many young players advancing all the way through, then you have to know you're watching something rare. And that, in that case, I think you really do walk it all the way back to the coach and say, you know, what did Jeff do um, to help these guys develop? Clearly, they're all talented and clearly they're all hardworking. But he also had to instill in them some framework for how to do their work the right way you know and all of these guys had a a major league moment of sorts um and then dylan carlson really didn't have a major league moment not in the game um his major league moment of sorts that i saw he was about a seventh grader and he's hanging out uh 
um, doing a baseball practice and there was a big rolled up tarp and he's clowning around in there and almost got rolled under there. And coach Carlson, his dad said, Hey, you know, Dylan, if you're not mature enough to be, to act the part, then maybe you need to go sit over there. And years later, coach Carlson thinks that Rowdy Telez and the guy set him up to, to fail. But, but it was, you know, here's a young kid who was hanging out, but he was horsing around, don't horse around no matter how old you are. And so years later, he's 15 or 16. He graduates young at 17 and becomes a first round pick. But Coach Carlson said he remembers his son being able to, in practice, just launch home runs off a of batting practice, left-handed and right-handed. And said, this is a unique skill and gift. Uh, and so there, and certainly his relentless work ethic. And if there is a character trait of note about Dylan Carlson, it's how he treated his mother then and now and forever. Karen Carlson's the rock of that family. And she's had some frustrating health ailments to the point where she um, has to be in a, a wheelchair. Her spirit is amazing. She told Coach Carlson, her husband said, you're not going to quit coaching. Those kids need you. Uh, didn't want her kids feeling sorry for, for her. And so at, at baseball championship games or playoff games at Hugh Stadium or next to Hugh Stadium at Sac, Sac City, um, there was uh, in full uniform, Dylan Carlson was pushing his mother's wheelchair and going to make sure she's in the right seating and she's comfortable. And then he did this work and right after the game, he did it again. This wasn't for show. This wasn't some look at me. This is just genuine, good son. I love my mom. And this is more important. In a unique twist, Ryan Kreidler is in the same Tigers minor league system as Derek Hill, who started the 2021 season in AAA. It was Hill who the Kreidlers once used as a barometer for Ryan's success as a hitter. You know, Ryan and Derek obviously get to talk a lot because they're in the same minor league system and they were at uh, camp together and spring training together. Um, but, you know, Derek was, I think, a, 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 a milestone moment for Ryan. When Ryan was a sophomore, they played for what I guess we would call the city championship. It was still, to your point, Jim, it was still when you had to win and then go play St. Mary's. It was always St. Mary's. So you right. had to win and then, and then unify. And so they were playing Elk Grove for the, for the uh, championship. And Ryan hit a ball that Derek didn't get um, because he went in a gap over his head. And we all thought if Derek Hill couldn't get a ball, it probably meant you'd hit about as good a, a, a ball as you could hit if it stayed in the park. Um, that was as well as you could strike a ball because our feeling was anything in the air, Derek was going to catch. That was just that sense of his ability. It was just, his talent was just off the charts. It was so obvious. In the end, everything circles back to the coach. It's been a surreal stretch of years for Jeff Carlson as he's watched the major league debuts of so many of his players, including his own sons. Um, because we didn't subscribe to the, uh, to the MLB extra innings or whatever at the time, uh, the first uh, player that I ever coached, David Hernandez, he just retired after 10 years in the big leagues uh, after a great career. Uh, I remember his first day he was going to throw a uh, starting pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles. And I ran down, my wife and I ran down to the Elk Grove Sports Bar because they had the package. And I sit in there, all of a sudden he's on the mound. I, I mean, it was just, you know, it was an unreal moment. I was so excited, so happy for him and his family, but just so proud. It was it was a real proud moment, the first one. Um, I think he struck out Miguel Cabrera. I went crazy. Uh, everybody in the sports bar is going crazy. Um, it, you know, stuff like that is just 
awesome. Um, you know, Rowdy, uh, when he got called up, um, you know, af right after his, his mom had passed away, unfortunately, um, and to see the things he did uh, for his mom, I mean, it was just like awesome, uh, emotional. Um, you know, Nick, his first hit, um, Derek call was awesome. Dom, uh, JD. I mean, every, every single one of them, I, I always was tuned in to watch their first hit and, and it was just so exciting and I was so happy for them. You know, I shoot them out of text, uh, had a great moment, uh, with Dylan, uh, because of the COVID obviously we couldn't go. So I took my wife down and we were with family watching. Cause I thought that would be the, you know, instead of just watching her by herself, it would be kind of cool to go down there. And, and everybody saw that on Twitter, uh, which is, which was a great moment. Uh, it was pretty funny because my wife is in a wheelchair. So she was sitting in the couch and her wheelchair was just sitting there. And my little nephew, just everybody will come up and just sit down wherever. And they, he sat down in the wheelchair. And when Dylan got his first hit, he jumps up out of the wheelchair and he has like a, he just got home from practice. And I think he was on the angels, but it looked red. It looked like a Cardinals uniform. And the responses to the Twitter is like, it's a miracle. Dylan Carlson's working miracles. He got his first hit. And that little boy is, is cured. He jumped out of his wheelchair. He can walk now. You know, stuff like that was, uh, I mean, to read that stuff was so cool. It was funny. But, uh, but I got a phone call, right? I mean, immediately after he got his hit. And, it, and I go, Rowdy, I thought he was playing today. or about to ready to play. And it was Rowdy. So I pick it up. He goes, coach, this is Rowdy. We're sitting here in the clubhouse. Me, uh, Guerrero, we're watching. Dylan just got his first hit. Congratulations. And and go, go ahead. You can cry. You can cry. He was trying to get me to cry, which I probably was. But uh, I just thought it was such a cool thing that he took time and he was there watching the clubhouse. And it kind of just showed and brought everything back of what type of culture these guys made at Elk Grove during their time that he's getting ready to play a big game. Uh, they're in the clubhouse. He saw Dylan's hit and he wanted to make time to call me right before his game uh, to tell me congratulations. And just that he was so proud and so happy for Dylan, just as we were for him. Mm -hmm. And just as all these guys are, uh, were for each other. That, that was a great moment. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, pretty awesome of Rowdy to do that and just, kind of just showed you know what type of kids these are you know that call from rowdy Telez right before a, a game his own game and he reaching out to uh, to his high school coach who meant a lot to him to congratulate him hey your son made it because it's hard to make it into the big leagues there's no doubt it's hard enough to get drafted it's hard enough to get through those le levels of the minor leagues and then you know we look at Dylan Carlson, and he's 21 or so years old. The guy's just getting started, and he's already had a big taste of it. And uh, um, Nick Madrigal's a young guy, and he's just getting started. And Nick Madrigal is the highest drafted athlete in regional Sacramento history. We've never had a higher pick in football, basketball, baseball. Uh, he was the fourth pick in the draft a few years ago. So that tells you, you know, like, that's that's pretty cool. And um you know, and he's on his way. He's already, you know, once they make the big leagues, now they want to establish themselves, but um, what great legacy. And these guys, you know, Jim, they, they may all circle back and stop by the old high school at Oak Grove where it started for them and maybe give 
hitting clinics or, or motivational speaking uh, because they haven't forgotten their roots and that's who, who they are and what they're about. And their families are still here. So they have to come home and uh, unwind a little bit. So um, I think it's really cool. It's one of the remarkable stories, all these Oak Grove guys who've made it to the big leagues. Um, you know, it just, you have to have so many things go right. You have to have good health. You have to have good timing. You have to, and then you have to execute. Um, and they certainly were prepared on how, how to handle pressure situations in high school Delta League showdowns or playoff showdowns. And Coach Carlson used to always say that, you know, we schedule big, we schedule tough because we're trying to get them ready for the next level. Well, the next level could be anything playing, in, you know, next level could be a playoff run or it could be um, playing in college uh, or it could be playing in a college world series or it could be playing in the minors or it could be playing in the big leagues. And um, you know, that, that no fear mentality of taking on anybody, being ambitious and going for it and seizing the moment um, carries on. You just, you can't really project, you know, you don't, don't know, it's a lot of guesswork, but you think, boy, if he stays healthy, Dom Nunez or J.D. Davis, any of those guys, if they stay healthy, you can see them playing for a long time because they certainly had the, the physical tools and the, the instincts and just the sheer drive. It's super important to all of those guys and all of them seem to have great parental support, which helps when you're a teenager. And that support is still there now. J.D. Davis's dad, Greg, is is the biggest fan of J.D. Davis. He'll watch games on TV or he'll travel. Certainly Jeff and Karen Carlson love watching um, Dylan, the Madrigal family, all of those guys, the Nunez family. Um, and then so they represent Oak Grove in that regard, too. So everybody in Oak Grove, and I think everybody in Sacramento is rooting for these guys because they, rec- they represent this region and they do it well. And that concludes this episode of Sports Stories. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcasts. We're currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. If you listen to us on one of those platforms, please consider rating and reviewing it as well. Sports Stories is built using Anchor. You can visit anchor.fm slash sportsstars if you'd like to leave us a voice message about this episode or to suggest one of your own. Also, be sure to check out the magazine's homepage at sportsstarsmag.com or we will have a page with episode extras that include images of several of these players from their high school days. This episode's audio was recorded by Sports Stars senior writer Jim McHugh and edited by me, Chase Bryson. The cover photo was taken by Dean Coppola. The Sports Stories theme music was performed and mixed by Dustin Phillips. Check out his renowned cover band, Popular Demand, at sacramentocoverband.com as we get closer to having live music once again. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with another new episode in two weeks. I thought you wanted some stories, bro. I have like seven of them, are you kidding?